Hello, welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. I am Tom. And I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. And I'm Justin. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Yeah, really something else. I'd love to hear it. Don't let these guys kid you, they're popping root beers. That's right. Love soda. A&W all over the place in here. <laughs> Diet. Not a sponsor. Yeah. What's going on? How's everybody doing? How was the weekend? Good, man. More celebrations, other friends' birthdays, as it happens. Yeah. It just keeps going. Everybody's born. I think you guys just like drinking. I don't think it's anyone's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys just want to come up with an excuse sure. for not having anything new to say. He has risen this weekend, so we drink. Yeah. That's true, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw uh, Unearthly Trance uh, for my Easter weekend mm. at uh, Sludge Fest. Uh, it was built over at Shakers um, out in Oakdale, East Long Island, with my buddies Gray Skies Fallen. Bravely soldiering on through technical uh, equipment problems that were going on, man. That happens to bands on stage sometimes, no matter how much you practice. You know, you, a, a fuse blows or something, man. A cymbal falls down. But um, they, they played a real tight set. Real great to see them with uh, Joe D'Angelo back on guitar and backup vocals. Um, good show. False Gods record release. They got their CD out there, man. Everybody should check out False Gods. We're going to be doing a little reporting on them, I think, more. That's Mikey Stack from Agony Kings, who we have covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his other band, along with um, uh, Nick from Locus Mortis is in that band now. So they, And uh, and actually, Johnny, from the, Johnny, the drummer from Locus Mortis, is playing bass for them now, too. So False Gods pl- uh, played a killer set. Really good show, man. Um, so uh, the other thing I want to talk about, um, besides weekend, I mean, did you guys do anything besides partying for this alleged birthday? Or? Uh, well, I, I went to uh, I went to a hardcore show uh, last Wednesday. Oh, I went to uh, Knocked Loose, the Acacia Strain, uh, supported okay. by Sanction, a great Long Island hardcore band coming up. Uh, now we're talking band Higher Power which, uh, from from Leeds, UK. Uh, Whoa, ha- kind of has this like sunny California like turnstile vibe hardcore going on. Uh, okay, very very cool. Unfortunately, I missed them, but I listened to, <laughs> I listened, I listened to them on the train on the way there while I was missing them which is good it's amazing that like areas of you know the world like uk can do things like google the sun and then write music about it you know, <laughs> i was right? gonna say the sunny california <laughs> vibe with a uk band man that, that's that's optimistic you just man. play light strings yeah. and it's all good yeah the riffs come out but uh yeah it was a great show a sold out revolution bar in amityville um yeah. Sure, a lot of violence. Violence at that. Everybody, uh, violent, friendly violence. Actually, some guy broke his arm in not the best place, but um, that's what uh, that's what you get when the Acacia Strain plays stuff off of thirty-seven fifty. If, mm. uh, if you don't know, so talk, talk about sanction a little. They're from Long Island. Yeah, they are okay. from Long Island. Um, I'm not like what, too well versed in what they got going on right now, but there's a huge buzz around them, and I know everybody's anticipating their uh, first kind of legit full length after uh, being seasoned on the road and. Um, and and they play like pros, you know what I mean? Like, okay. They, they put on a they put on a great show, and everybody's into it, and uh, chanting their chanty parts and throwing their arms up in windmill patterns and stuff like that. And uh, and yeah, man, rocked it. And, All right. Yeah, no, I bet you no Tom, notes. Tom could probably put a little bit of their music underneath what you just said. Yeah, Tom, throw the section. Wrap it up and post. He's going to wrap it up and post. Check yeah. it under this. What All the right, fuck man. is up? And then go and then put. All right. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, oh. Great show, though. Uh, Long Island hardcore scene, it's it's strong. Yeah, man. Yeah, we do, we don't cover hardcore as much, but we're planning to change that and cover a little more hardcore. I think in the future too, man. Justin, that's your department, bro. What's going on with that, man? Well, you know, I just like breakdowns and I forget things. <laughs> yeah, you break them down, man. <laughs> well, uh, and I also I neglected to mention Mantis Mass. Uh, my good friend Joe Sanchi performed the other night too, man. Real another real good band. Um, just kind of like more more of like that. If you if you remember that episode where Rick broke down the doom metal thing for us, man. More of that style of doom metal with the 
uh, powerful singing, kind of influenced by Sabbath, maybe something like that. I Man, Mantis right. has played a great the set atmosphere too. and the like, the the heavy pacing. And that kind yeah, of yeah. Shakers, um, Shakers probably more ideal, ideally suited for like a punk or a grindcore or a death metal show. You know what I mean? Just with the sound being what it is and the room being what it is, man. But it was still a great time there, man. Sludge fest with uh, un- unearthly trance there, man. Un- unearthly trance. Uh, other uh, friends of mine. I hope uh, we could get on the show eventually, man. But while uh, while I ruined the segue uh, of going from Justin's hardcore show story that he that he talked about, and I could have had a segue to go into what I'm about to talk to, but I ruined it by bringing it back to the show I went to. Um, <laughs> another young band tearing up uh, a lot of different scenes, tearing up the death metal scene, the grindcore scene, parts of the hardcore scene. They're they're everywhere. Uh, full of hell. Sure. Yeah. I don't need to tell you about them. They're on the cover of Decibel like this month. By the time yeah, this man. this episode is uploaded, we, we run on a little bit of a delay. But the, in April now, they're on the cover of Decibel. They're about to drop their new album, uh, Weeping Choir, May 17th on Relapse Records. And they just premiered a song. I believe it's pronounced Silmaril. I probably got that wrong, but it's you know it's on YouTube. There's an official uh, you know like link out there. Metal Injection premiered it, and it has Paulo Paguntalan on guest vocals. Wow! Oh, shit. Yeah, guest of the show. You can uh, reference the the Ping with Paulo episode if you don't know who Paulo is. Um, but I just wanted to bring that out. Sounds great. Sounds really ugly and disgusting. They they fuck with the vocals and there's maybe some effects or something on there. Maybe they're just really spazzed out. But it's a it's a crazy grindcore song, man. I'm excited for this new Full Hell album. Everything they put out is just it's raw. It pushes real hard, like yeah. anger, mm-hmm. but like tight knit, good yeah. package. Though. Yeah, trumpeting it, ecstasy at the 2017 release fucking violent just yeah and innovative in a way man i really like what they do they're very different man they're always pushing to to uh you know evolve their sound and all that and i just wanted to talk about it briefly because i we usually try to bring bands uh to your attention in the album recommendations part of the show that are a little more obscure that we want to shed some light on and full of hell's doing really good for themselves out there so you know i don't think i i should i should talk about them in the album recommendations i just wanted to pick up on it right now and um well, you know, quickly, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you did do a, you did a tour with them, right? You did a, yeah. a bit of a run uh, with that band? Yeah, in 2017, Artificial Brain opened up for Full of Hell, Revocation, and Cattle Decapitation for like six weeks all across North America. And um, for like a week and a half, two weeks in the middle there, it was all throughout Canada. And uh, Paulo uh, filled in for me. So I, I don't know if Paulo knew the Full of Hell guys before that or if that's where the relationship started. And they're like, wow, dude, you're so much better than Will. We got to get you on the album. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I pictured in my head when I had an emotional breakdown. When I, no, I'm just, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm hyping the song. I'm psyched that he's on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, yeah, we did do that tour. And I did get to know those guys a little bit over the course of those weeks, traveling and playing shows with them. I had a great time. On the uh, the Dissonant Conjecture podcast interview I did, I, I related the story about when the Full of Hell uh, drummer Dave drank me under the table uh, the very first night of the tour, uh, and I'm ashamed as a, as a grown man that that happened. He's, like, much younger than me. But uh, they're not all party animals, man. They're, they're very serious about what they do. They, they play their ass off every night. Uh, those guys do not play bad sets. They they get up there and they do what they do, man. I'm, I'm I've always been impressed with Full of Hell, and I know there's like a certain contingent of um you know like like uh, underground 
underground grindcore uh, purists that that don't like Full of Hell and think that maybe their 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 newfound exposure that they're getting is somehow not on not grindcore or whatever. But I don't know, man. Fuck the haters. I like Full of Hell a lot. Get over and it. I I had I I, I relished the uh, experience. It was a blessing to travel and uh, and uh, watch them play and watch them do what they do every night, man. Real inspiring guys. Because um, re- real punk attitude in a way. Not that they don't care, but that they just get up there and they rip it, man. They don't need that. They don't need uh you know triggers on the drums they don't need this they don't need you know they just fucking uh you know they they just they just give it raw you know and and the energy is there like the energy they give off is what you get from the crowd man you can really tell it's like a feral you know velocity to their fans man and there's a lot of people that come out just for them um you know obviously when you're touring with cattle decapitation it was like i was saying with with blood incantation you know uh when you're opening for bigger bands Mm -hmm. there's going to be an audience there but some of those opening bands they bring out their own audience no matter where they're playing or who they're playing for and full of hell is one of those bands with a rabid following so they tend to bring haters that style band you know yeah yeah well we we were just saying before like when you're very successful and you're younger band for some reason you get a lot of hate from people. I don't know if it's like a skepticism where people see the name and how much it's drawing, or and they and they question it or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. But a lot of it's unwarranted. I, I think with Full of Hell, there's a lot of people that are maybe like uh, going back and testing the purity of uh, just how many hardcore demos were in their ex, uh, you know, mother's drummer's collection once upon, you know, like there's people that want to like look into their history and say, well, you guys were in a hardcore band or, you know, when you guys started out, you played a punk show at that time. So how can you be uh, metal or whatever? You know, like people Mm -hmm. get these crazy concepts of of boxing things in, man. But But that's great. uh, All the different tastes and all the different influences. That's what progression is. And that's what's going to keep metal fresh going. Yeah, man. We can leave early 90s uh, black metal mentality in Norway. We don't need it. Yeah, man. We definitely don't need it now because it was way cooler in the early 90s than than (laughs) than it is now, man. Um, But moving on, I don't want, you know, uh, bottom line here is they're on the cover of Decibel Magazine. I'm happy for them. They don't need my exposure that much if they're on the cover of Decibel Magazine. So let's talk about uh, underground artists that we are going to give a lot of exposure to this particular episode, man. We we, we took an excursion outside of the studio. Oof. We did. We all, all three of us. This was the first show that all three of us went to, and we were able to get the interview. Yeah, man. I mean, that's not including the Pyrexia thing that we did. That was more of a hangout. That was, yeah, that was a sesh. This yeah. was a show. We're going there. All three of us got sweaty. We all had drinks. And then we start, you know, trying to hold it together, do interviews. Will, you did a real good job. And, uh, allegedly, you know, just anchored it. Yeah, anchored Even had like three beers. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, th- I had, I, yeah, I had three beers and I had a few more. But, um, yeah, man, it was great. We went to see Olthar from, uh, California. Um, we, we, I believe, Tom, you brought up their album on the show once before. Yeah, I, I forgot what episode it was, but it was a newer release for me. And um, I know this is kind of a, a reoccurring thing when we talk about this band or anyone talks about this band, but the album cover is what brings you to it. So Yeah, absolutely. In, in this case, so much. I believe we referenced Dr. Seuss a lot when we were talking about it. Um, tripped out, Dr. Seuss. The, yeah. yeah, the album we're talking about is Ulthar, U-L-T-H-A-R, uh, their album Cosmovore, which is out uh, on 20 bucks spin. Um, it's described on the, on the sticker on the album cover as eldritch blackened death metal conjuring ancient dread and psychedelic malevolence. Oh. And I would have to concur. Yes, the, uh, very accurate right there. Yeah, it's... Um, 
I, you know, when Tom first brought it up, I, I you know, I heard it and I, I went home and I checked it out a little bit. But it's the type of thing that has to sponge in and sink in, man. There's a lot going on to this album. I had found it long. Uh, this album had come out a few months before we even started doing the podcast. Mm-hmm. I had found it. I uh, some some metal website. I don't know. I'm around. And I found it there, and I spun it. I liked it, but when we were talking about new albums, uh, I I thought of this, and I re did the respin, and I liked it even more. This, this is a really solid album. Like I said, mm-hmm. you get the album cover you bringing bringing you in, but the filling is just so fucking good. It's just as creative as as the packaging mm-hmm. of the album. When you dig deep into the music, you know it's it's it sounds how it looks. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a great yeah. fucking thing. You know? Yeah, and just to relate it to the album artwork, uh, to relate to the music to the album artwork uh, a little bit more too. There's when you look at it, there's uh, a lot of little little shadows and little things lurking little details eyeballs and things that you see somewhere that you know you didn't first notice and uh corners and crevices and and things on this album cover and the music is like that too because i i've listened to this album and it sounds great on vinyl by the way mm-hmm. um over and over a few times now and you just hear things in in the in the riffs and certain you know it takes a while like i said to absorb what's going on and you're is this black metal is this death metal what's going on with and some of the riffs are a little more kind of psychedelic and spacey and there's there's just something very strange to this album it's got a, it's got a quirkiness that you really have to catch and absorb and I love death metal that challenges you. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't. There's a little bit. It's almost like uh, there's an element of the chase. You know what I mean? You got you yeah. got you got to work to love this album. You know? Yeah. But, um, and um, what's interesting too is, um, well, I suppose not interesting, but it's it just it's very it, it, nothing is contrived about this album. Mm-hmm. It's it's organic feeling all the way through. Oh yeah, and the absolutely. vocals are are just uh, they're. It, it, you feel like this fury happening through the vocals all the way through the album. Both Shelby and Steve, the two, uh, the bass player and guitar player, they're they're doing the vocals and they kill it live. Yeah, it translates really, really well live. Yeah, very well. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. Seeing, seeing it live like uh, brought a whole new dimension to mm-hmm. this band because you could you can see the. You, you see the create the fruit the, the creativity coming to fruition in front of you, especially like uh, you know as a as a guitar player like watching watching the riffs happen and 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 the shapes and and the, the transitioning between parts. You can tell this is this is something a little bit extra than than, than the the run of the mill sort of like blackened death metal. Yeah, great abstracted kind of feel to it, and the lyrics go with that too. They have a very interesting way of coming up with the lyrics and the vocal patterns. I'm not going to spoil it because we did talk to them about it in the interview. Um, but if you read the lyrics, there's almost, a, again, like a, a Dr. Seussian kind of like alliteration, like a poetic flow to them. But uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the, the interview. Um, do you guys want to get into the interview? Yeah, let's yeah, roll. Let's, 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 let's roll around. So so here we are in the basement of St. Vitus uh, talking to Ulthar from California. Whole podcast. This is Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Yeah. 
You guys are here. Justin and Tom yeah, are here. Yeah, we're we're here. Yeah, we're here. We're here. They're, they're holding, they're holding uh, microphone-like, pod-like things. They're kind of behind the scenes. So it's Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. I'm here with uh, Shelby Lermo and Justin Ennis from the band Ulthar. Um, from, from Oakland, California, maybe that'll be my first question. Are you guys all from Oakland or...? Yeah, me and Justin live in Oakland, and Steve, our bass player, singer, lives in San Francisco. So all, all of us are in the Bay Area, not too far from each other. Okay, and you guys recorded the, the 2016 demo tape was your first release? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, technically, I guess. Huh. We recorded it, we released it digitally, and it took us about a year to actually, like, make the tapes and distribute them. Okay, and how long was the band around before that, preceding that? About two years. Yeah, two years. Two years. Okay, so, uh, I mean, Justin, I, I'm acquainted with Justin because you used to play in the band Mutilation Rights, correct? Correct. Um, wasn't your, your twin or your doppelganger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so you moved, uh, are you originally from California? or nope. So you moved out there? Yep. Was it to join this band? No. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, Shelby and I are old friends. We talked about jamming when I was getting out there, and uh, this is what came of it. All right, sick. Well, we're glad this came of it, man. And um, we're, the East Coast was 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 not glad to lose you, but we're glad that this band came of it, man. <laughs> and um, so the 2016 demo gets out there. Uh, were you guys playing live a lot back then? Like, when when did you guys start getting out there live? We had, until we released uh, our full length, we had played about six shows over three and a half years. Yeah, we never we never played a lot until this tour. We played we played. Yeah, like five or six local shows and then did a short Northwest tour and now now we're doing 35 show national <laughs> tour. So we, we, we played less than 10 shows before we came on this trip. Wow, all right. And, and uh, this is, you're talking of course about your album Cosmovore on the label 20 Bucks Spin. Yes. Uh, and that came out uh, what, what just just a few months ago, right? November. No, yeah. November 2018. Yeah, November, yeah. And uh, how, how was the teaming up with 20 Bucks Spin? Um, um, I working with those people. Dave's Dave's awesome. This is like uh, I, I I already had a relationship with it, with him. Uh, he put records out of my two other bands, and so I already had a a good relationship with him. Um, basically, the way that this all happened, we. We had already recorded the album. We had like a rough mix of it. And I actually, to bring it all full circle, last year on my birthday, I flew to Pittsburgh to see Artificial Brain, <laughs> Demolic, Blood Incantation, and Scorched in Pittsburgh because they were playing Pittsburgh on my birthday. And that tour didn't come to the West Coast. And I love Demolic. I did a tour with Demolic. I love those guys. Blood Incantation is like my favorite live band. So I said, fuck it. On my birthday, I bought myself a flight to Pittsburgh and went and saw the show and talked to Dave and I brought him a rough mix of the album and I said, hey man, it's my birthday. <laughs> you kind of a fucking dick to not put this out. And like a week later, we were sitting in the studio finishing the album and Dave emailed and said, hey, I want to put it out. And we said, sick. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, one aspect, uh, once you get past the music that you guys deliver that I really love about this album is this crazy cover artwork. And we did, we, we already kind of like, uh, we do like album recommendations and we spoke a little bit about the album and the artwork on the podcast in a prior episode. Uh, it says here it was by a guy named Ian Miller. Yeah. Uh, has he worked with other bands or is he a friend of yours or how, like, what's, where's the connection there? Uh, so Ian's, Ian is a, uh, a British dude in his, in his 70s. Uh, 
who he's done he's done shit for like bolt thrower and warhammer 40k and actually the reason i tried to contact him in the first place was he did he was the guy who did like um there was sort of like a lovecraft resurgence in the 70s when they started like they reissued a bunch of paperbacks yeah they put out a bunch of paper like paper books of old lovecraft books and he did the cover art for a bunch of those so this wow. this cover is actually like a reworked version of uh, a cover that he did for at the Mountains of Madness. Yeah, right? he, it's yeah. like a it's like a 1971 edition of At the Mountains of Madness that he reworked. This is, this is Mountains of Madness three, but uh, he was like involved in that in the whole Lovecraft thing. And I I, I was stoked that sent an email to his website. I didn't even know if it got to him, but he wrote back to me the next day, and he was like the friendliest fucking guy, and yeah. totally like cut us a deal on the artwork, and was like very communicative and like. I asked him if we could put it on t-shirts and shit, and he was like, as long as you send me a couple. Like, so he's out there rocking his, his fucking old thar long sleeve, you know, out in the British countryside. He was just excited. Like, yeah, he was stoked. And he, yeah, he's funny to email with, because he'll be like, when I, I would write to him, he'd be like, his responses are like, as I sit sipping my tea in the countryside and pondering, you know, like, he totally talks like an old, like a, picture him like smoking a pipe like, <laughs> like in the fucking shire or something like you hear it in your head like a british accent yeah like, yeah you're all that's he's that, he's so that guy yeah he's, he's that guy but he's great i think we have already worked out the art for the next album you're using him again hopefully if everything works out the okay, way okay. we're hoping because it's great um i mean this um i discovered you guys basically through the album I'm looking through like Bandcamp or whatever I'm looking for for new stuff, and I see this album, and I'm like, this is the most amazing album art. And then I put it on, and I'm like, this album is fucking ridiculous, you know? So I love the whole package, and a lot of bands miss that. So I'm glad you guys are using it again. Yeah. I feel like it's just like the perfect aesthetic for the the company, the music. And it's still still within that sort of like Lovecraftian oeuvre. Yeah. That we, we know we, we're not, I don't know. Yeah, no, and, and the, the Lovecraftian thing has been very big in death metal in recent years, but this is way different than any other band's album artwork. Um, I don't, you know, this is crazy. I, I, we were talking about it's, it's almost like a Dr. Seuss acid trip kind of. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. Now, and something Tom said, uh, things that you hear in your head in, in an English accent, I also wanted to bring up the lyrics. Who's responsible for uh, the for for the, the lyrics, or at least the ones with like the oldest alliteration? Um, Those are, the alliteration is mine. And there's, these are, Steve wrote some, and I wrote some. But if you're looking at alliteration, then that's mine. The, the slippery supine semen steel, surreptitious slime and zeal. The, uh, the you know, and then this term seahorse fish god. Just there's a lot of stuff that I really love about the lyrics. You see anemone be an enemy. It's almost do you. I don't. Do you listen to hip hop? Do you? I. You know. I mean, like, <laughs> I what, or like, what, what's like slam poetry? Or I, well, I'm just thinking, like, in terms of lyricism, is there an influence here that I'm missing aside from just regular death metal? Have you heard of this album? Oh, Rudimentary Peony. Okay, I've been playing. Sam from Artificial Brain is as a fan of them. He, he did play them. It's for specifically, me. this album. Yeah. If you read the lyrics okay. to this album, it's like, it's like Lovecraft through the eye of like a mental break, mental patient, like psychotic break. A lot of the alliteration and shit is directly ripped off from this album. Yeah, and do you always have that shirt on? I do, yeah. <laughs> always. I sleep, I shower. I shower. Yeah, it's a tattoo. <laughs> but no, I mean, that, that, this, I've been obsessed with this album since I was a teenager, and it's like, uh, 
Uh, I mean, the, our lyrics are. We sometimes we write the lyrics after we sing them and record them. A lot of the stuff on the album we just belted something out in the studio and then decided what we were saying afterwards. Right. Yeah. A lot of it is sort of just like spontaneous, whatever comes out, and then we assign words to it. Later. That's interesting. I, I I've done that once or twice in my life, but with uh, I've I haven't channeled anything like this. This is pretty wild ly lyrically, and you know not not to not to like uh, like mock it or anything. But when I say Dr. Seuss on acid, and then you have these lyrics that are just really out there, man, it makes for uh, quite a package. Now the music, I don't know. Do you, do you guys, I don't know if you guys want to be boxed in or assigned any kind of name or anything, but it has a very raw, organic death metal sound. Not necessarily like the kind of like triggered, sterile sound you get in a lot of more commercial death metal bands. Like, is that, are you, are you guys going for an old school nostalgic sound, or are you just going from side trying to get back to basics and organics with the quality of things? I don't necessarily think we're going for anything uh, consciously. It's just what comes out. Yeah, I think the yeah, fact yeah. that we record at Ear Hammer Studios in Oakland, it's partially responsible for the sound, because Greg, Greg Wilkinson, who recorded this album and a demo, just ends up with that, he doesn't do any of that fucking trigger stuff, like everything that he does sounds organic, yeah. but it's like, I don't, yeah, I think what Justin's saying is that we're not, we're not trying to pursue any specific sound, it's just like the three of us, what we do musically, is we all, put our shit together and chop it up and what comes out is what comes out we're not like trying to and it's funny because Steve Steve plays in a lot of black metal bands and I play in a lot of death metal bands but I think he writes more of the death metal riffs and I write more of the black metal riffs in his band so I didn't when, we've had a discussion about it before where I was like I was like yeah this is my black metal band and Steve was like no this is my death metal band <laughs> we don't know what it is it's just it's it's just old I time, always you know. just say black death yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not fucking OSDM though it's People need to Period. stop with that. Well, I keep uh, seeing people call it an OSDM record. I'm yeah. like, it's for all people. Yeah, it's it's not a, I'm glad you called it out and said it like that because I was, you know, I was a little uh, uh, skittish about just calling it out. But that's what I'm getting at. Um, uh, have you been like labeled that? And I mean, everyone throws around that word old school, but I, I like to think it's just people it, it, back, back then the methods that were used it may, maybe like maybe we went a little too far with sterilizing things digitally and we're still making modern death metal but we've just realized that we want to use certain methods to achieve a sound that we like yeah. you know what I, I mean? think people might say that just because we're on 20 yeah i know man i'm a big fan of scorched too and i think they get right. they get a similar thing man it's just something that happens nowadays people got to put a label on everything yeah and i think it's a little out of hand that. though i think i think it's I think that's it's gonna start to die off soon. I think OSDM's days are numbered. I, I think so too, because I see it like getting saturated. But what happens with that is that it always leaves like the diehards left. So it's fine. It'll be you know everyone will be fine. Yeah, yeah. We're, like that, that's that's interesting though. Though like when, when where do you guys see the was the water dripping or something? No, no, no. It's, everybody's gonna be fine. Like, Sometimes the, don't I'm gonna be fine. Like dude, so, death metal. If it goes back to just being gross stuff for nerds, then I'm back where I started. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I but would um. Love that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but um, but, but like, in, like, just in your personal opinion, maybe your vision, like, where do you see death metal going? Like, the more commercial elements of death metal and the more groundbreaking elements of death metal. I think the next, I think the next thing that's going to be popular is like brutal death metal. Like, defeated sanity is going to get really popular, I think, because if you look at it, like the way it was, like, just to, as far as like what's popular. 
it was retro thrash and then old school death metal. It's just going in the same pattern it did in the late 80s and early 90s. And the next thing that got popular was like suffocation. So I think that type of metal is going to be the next thing that gets popular. As far as like where it goes artistically, I have no fucking idea. Well, I think you're you're laying the groundwork for where it's going artistically, just with the lyrics and some of the artwork and even the music on this, man. It's very, uh, it's, it's very out there, man. It scares me a little bit. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, get, getting back to like the reality, the streets a little bit, you guys, you, you said this is a 35 show tour? Something like that. Probably, yeah. and, and where are we at now? Like how far into it are you now? Midway. Tomorrow's, Midway? tomorrow's the exact halfway point and we have one day off tomorrow and then we start the second. So what are some of the highlights? Uh, I don't know, like like venues, bands you played with, things like that, anything? We did uh, last, or what did we do, D.C. and... Uh, yeah, we did Alice Brew Works in D.C., which was oh, amazing. Oh, great place. And um, Meat Locker with uh, Outer Heaven. We did two shows with Outer Heaven. They were, Outer Heaven at the Meat Locker? That must have went off. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Those guys were up. And then Genocide Pact played uh, Atlas as well. Yeah, two great venues, close. Atlas uh, Brewery and uh, Meat Locker. There, yeah. yeah, I'm stoked for tonight's show. I, I love this. I love St. Vitus. Um, Club Congress in Tucson, Arizona was a great surprise. Kung Fu Necktie in Philadelphia was awesome. Yeah, we played with a band called Blood Spore last night in Philadelphia. They're great. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think I think I think my buddy John Jones might be in that band. I was just doing a little research on them. Yeah. All right. They're cool. They just put a. They just put an album out. All right. Fair enough, man. Yeah. It's a, that's a band that like just hit my 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 social media algorithm today. I gotta get up on that. Yeah. Uh, is it their first show? I think it might have been their first show. But they're yeah. like they like I think they're all dudes that have been around yeah. Philadelphia playing metal for a really long time. But it seemed like it seemed like a lot of people were there to see them. They, I think, I'm pretty sure they have their own meme page on Facebook. That wouldn't surprise me. Which, <laughs> I mean, it, it it works good for some of the younger bands nowadays, man. I don't know if I can get away with meme metal. Yeah, yeah, meme metal. They made an old Thar meme. One of the guys in the band made an old Thar meme. He wanted us to know about it. It was pretty good. It was like a plate of seafood, but then with a logo on it, so it kind of looked like a cover. <laughs> yeah, they made a meme out of me with like some some sci-fi nerdy kid from The Simpsons glasses and said that I had the artificial brain logo or whatever. <laughs> I was pretty flattered though, man, to be memed. Yeah. But, uh, alright, man, well, listen, I don't want to take up too much of you guys' time. I know that you guys are on tour and I see that you have some friends here in the building, the other bands are playing. Um, you know, maybe in the future we could get, uh, you know, one or more of you guys to call into the podcast and we could go a little more in depth because we did enjoy this album and we are looking forward to what you're doing next. Um, is there anything that you just want to leave, uh, you know, listeners of the podcast or listeners of your music who might be listening? Mm. Delete all your social media. Facts, <laughs> except for the heavy hole podcast Facebook. That doesn't count. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. count. Yeah, yeah, and all of our social media. Every, everything but that. Yeah. Do you guys have social media? The band does. I had that. Sick. All right, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. I love. Yeah, no, good point. Good point, man. And, uh, you brother? Nope. Okay, man. <laughs> Justin says, uh, start more social media things. <laughs> start a Snapchat. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so either way you go, you're going to be good with Ulthar. But definitely check out Ulthar's uh, album, Cosmovore, on uh, 20 bucks spin. Um, still very fresh off the press. The artwork and the lyrics are also something you want to check out, all you people that just download files and all that stuff. So thank you so much, Shelby and Justin, for joining us down here, and have a great set tonight. Thank, thank you. Cheers, man. Thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
something I do love about this old school death metal, the OSDM uh, quote unquote movement that's been around the last few years and is at a saturation point now, mm -hmm. um, like we talked about in that interview, is that a lot for, you know, you could, you could talk about a lot of young kids kind of getting into it and it becoming kind of a trend or a fashion or whatever, but a lot of kids got the nuance and got the subtlety of it. They got the atmosphere. A lot of, a lot of these younger bands playing like early 90s death metal, they have the atmosphere down, they have yeah. the artwork down, and maybe they'll go on and they'll start adding a little bit of their own personality and their own originality to it. And if the next thing around the corner is bands taking like Suffocation or Defeated Sanity or your kind of brutal technical death metal, and or maybe listening to, you know, now, now that they got the Swedish death metal thing out of their system, maybe these guys will start listening to like Death and Human and Symbolic or something like that. And, you know, I don't know, man, maybe the next movement of popular death metal will be something that also pays attention to like subtlety and nuance and doesn't just kind of rip off growly vocals and chug parts for you know for you know rhythmic effect you know i feel like no matter what you're playing and this i feel like one thing that this second wave or technically it's not a second wave but this old school death metal that's become so popular now one thing the guitar players and seems like the drummers and the producers behind it is that they experiment a little bit more like mm -hmm. the albums sound different yeah. from from uh what from album to album you're having like a, a different guitar tone that's maybe a little spacier maybe it's like you know it sounds like a real tube amp mm -hmm. and um th just going back to my complaint about all this technical death metal where people are really putting all their heart and soul into it and then coming out with the same like fred durst style hat of a guitar tone where <laughs> And great players, yeah. and you know it does sound clear and stuff, and you can hear all the notes and the really cool harmonies. Not knocking the writing at all, yeah. Um, kind of knocking the way people approach their guitar tones. Yeah, but there is like a like for newer, more like important bands. I want to want to say like making waves, and maybe you can use Blood Incantation as a sort of example. But there seems to be this sort of rebellion going on from that sterile. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like super uh, triggered drums and choppy guitar sort of thing that was like really yeah. big and, you know. That's kind of what I was saying about the old school death metal. They're not really guilty of sounding the same. Yeah, thing. yeah. And, uh, yeah, not that I would put Blood Incantation in there or Ulther into that. Yeah. They have their own thing going exactly. on. Yeah, totally. But their albums sound really organic and true to what the band's trying to get through. Yep. As opposed to sounding like. You know, how easy would it be to go to a producer and be like, make my guitar tone sound like uh, Night Hiller? You know, make mm -hmm. this sound like that. You know, it's great yeah. sound, but if we had a whole influx of that, that would get really boring. Yeah, they'd so. probably just be like, oh, got the plug in for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. here you go. Mm -hmm. you know, like, or I'm a tech band, I'm going to sound like Necrophages. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's, that's plug the in for that. Yeah, yep. exactly. How many bands want to sound like Beyond Creation and Obscura and. Not bad bands, but like we got a lot of it. On that note, though, there is a movement of younger bands that are moving away from that kind of sterile production and that that modern technique and appreciate the old school, but are pushing in different directions. Here's the segue. I really feel like Locus Mortis was good for that. Um, over the years, they experimented with their sound a lot. The young band Locus Mortis from Long Island. Um, <clears throat> we did interview uh, their singer John. Um, and their one guitarist, who, who we, I think it was Nick, we interviewed that one time. And uh, now we caught at, at the show, unfortunately their last show, but we caught their bass player Devin and the other guitarist Nick, and we spoke to them. But um, let's uh, let, let's play a little bit of the interview. We, we just asked them about, uh, you know, it was the band's last show that night, uh, opening up for Ulthar, and we just wanted to ask them going forward what was going on and just catch up to those two particular members because we hadn't spoken to them yet.
Heavy Hole Podcast. This is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Drunk. I'm a lot drunker than I was 10 minutes ago. Uh, we're interviewing bands here in the basement of St. Vitus here in Brooklyn, New York, man. Love St. Vitus Club. Shout out to them. We're here with Nick and Devin from Locus Mortis. How you doing, guys? What's up, man? Uh, guys, we just watched you perform. I've, heard, I've watched you perform many times over the last several years. Uh, we and, really do appreciate you for that. Am I? Well, here's the thing. Am I safe in saying, is this the last show Locus Mortis has played? Yeah, but, uh, in the, the most foreseeable future, yeah, definitely. Monday, April 8th, uh, 2019 at St. Vitus, last Locus Mortis show. You guys killed it. Um, the, even the slow riffing, I'll hit that, uh, I'll allegedly hit that one. Uh, uh, allegedly. Uh, you, you know, you guys have played a lot of shows the last few years over Long Island. You've developed the sound, you've changed the sound a lot. Uh, can I ask if anything, like, what has led to this, the decision to have this be the last Locus Mortis show? The thing is, like, we formed this band when we were, like, you know, it was 2019, and, you know, I mean, well, we formed this band, sorry, I'm a little late. <laughs> uh, we formed this, I, I, I formed, like, we formed this band when we were 2013, you know, I was 19 years old, you know, now I'm approaching 25, you know, my musical taste has definitely changed, so I can speak for the rest of the band. So, we've changed our sound throughout the years because of that, but I feel like, you know what, like, um, it's just time, you know, we, we just, you know, we're, we're not even as, yeah, I'm just going to leave that at that, but yeah, I'm using the taste of change. Fair enough. Um, now, can fans of the band expect to see members of the band involved in a, in a project in the future, or is yeah, everyone... Definitely. There's something in the works, but I can't really talk about it too much, but, you know, um, there is something in the works that we're doing. And trust me, I mean, like, if you love Locus Mortis, it's going to be, I think, ten times better, in my, in my opinion. So he's just yeah. closing a chapter on this, like... Exactly, I'm like, you know, what, we, we're, 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 you know, I, I look at Locus Mortis, we're, we're going from teenagehood to manhood, and <laughs> now we're just manhood going forward and just getting stronger, yeah. you know? Wow. That's it. Yeah. We also have uh, <laughs> a little more hair coming out. Yeah, a little bit, a little more hair protruding. I also have here Sam fucking Shurik, who yeah, was I'm formerly still here. Was yeah. Formerly, yeah, this asshole's still here. Um, he was formerly a Locust Mortis, so he can chime in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like we said in in the Hadgety interview, I screwed over Craigalof by Quentin. I screwed over uh, Locust Mortis by Quentin too. So. Yo, drummers is a cold game. When you play drums in death metal, you 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 you're you're a, you're a hired gun. Like there's ten bands trying to go, go get you at all times, man. You know what I mean? I get it. Now, so so yeah. I mean, I've asked Sam. I I got like three projects on the peripheral that I'm trying to get Sam to play drums and watch out. But kid has power. Yeah, but um, I'm still waiting for that dumpster crypt rehearsal, Sam and Eric. But no, a little band oh, we tried to get going. But yeah, yeah, it didn't get off the ground. I'm not putting you on the spot. Look, look, this is about Locust Mortis right now. So Locust Mortis has played your last show for the foreseeable future as Locust Mortis. From the Locust Mortis experience, can I just ask each, each of you what you've learned from or what you'll take away from this experience being in this band? Well, that's one. Copy. Uh, I'm going to go that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Here, let me just say this. Playing drums in death metal bands, I don't learn things. I forget things that I've learned earlier on in life. <laughs> um, if I were to take away anything from this, it would probably be that, um, you know, like, 
you, you, you start you start music just thinking like you're gonna just go on to play just like fucking death metal forever. It's usually not the case. I feel like definitely in my instance, personally, um, it's whatever's really catchy, and I think that's what ultimately gets people to find that good mix. And I feel like that's what my new project can bring. Um, but that aside, you know, Locus, I had a fun fun run with it, I played some of my big shows, so I met some fucking cool so it's been legit. You got tackled <laughs> by uh, Josh Martin from Analcon, so... Uh, yeah, we were oh, Yeah, no, you're kidding, he caught us a bunch of typo-negative wannabes. <laughs> and, uh, Devin, I just want to ask you, Devin, um, you know, I, I said to you before, Devin, when you got off stage, man, I was complimenting your stage presence tonight, but you and I haven't had a lot of words over the, over the years. Uh, you're, I know you, in, in, at least to me, you're kind of like a man of few words. You just get up there and bust the riffs and get the job done. But uh, if I could ask you, what, what is something maybe you'll take away from the experience of being in the band? Uh, what would I take away? Um, I guess over the past five, six years that this band's been together, I've definitely formed some of the strongest relationships with these kids and uh, just had the most fun of my entire life with them. We've hit the road a bunch of, not a bunch of times, but we've hit the road a decent amount. we played a bunch of fucking shows. Some some were incredibly fun, not so much, but I wouldn't have it any other way, and, I'm, but, and I just value our time together. Wow, that, that's real, man, and that's what, um, what anyone could hope to get from a band experience. As young men who began this journey in Locus Mortis as young teenagers, um, you know, I asked you what you learned from the experience. What would you say to, to somebody who, who's in your sh- who, who's in the shoes you were in, y- young teenagers or young men just starting out playing music or just starting out playing a band? What's important when you want to play in an underground metal band? I'd say just uh, play as much as possible, practice a lot. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. Uh, be confident in whatever you do and. You'll get the fucking hang of it eventually. <laughs> I love you it. Gotta love it. <laughs> Nick, gotta Nick, love anything you want to Nick, Eddie, gotta love it? That's yeah, it? No, you do definitely have to love it. Um, me personally, you know, uh, with that whole script thing, I think that um, if you really want to play it, you have to love it because you're definitely not going to make money off it. <laughs> That's the truth, kids. True. <laughs> but um, seriously, you do it because you love it. For no other reason, you gotta be confident. You gotta fucking be tight, make sure your tones are tight, make sure, you know, try to minimize any why fuck-ups, etc. You know, try Most to be a little fucking show. Rock the fucking fuck out. <laughs> yeah, be loud as possible, be rude as possible, be on everybody's face. Yeah. Alright, man, well, <coughs> excuse me, well, it's Work on <coughs> allegedly riffs. coffee. Work on your riffs. Well, it's a Monday night, uh, there was a serious turnout here for St. Vitus for a Monday night. I was very impressed with that, but we are going to let you guys go because everyone's got got work and other things tomorrow. On that on that note of uh, not making much money with death metal, but um, I'm really glad I got to catch Locus Mortis's last show. I've seen you guys yeah. quite a few times over the years. I, I used to we watch Carcinogen so, play. We thank you so much for the fucking support. No, yeah, no, it's it's, my it's nothing, man. I thank you guys, and I just want to ask you: it might be too soon, and that's fine. Are there any new projects or anything that you want to plug, or at least anything you might want to say to fans of Locus Mortis um, who've uh, supported the band? Just, uh, just keep an eye out, I guess, is the yeah, most we'll say. The end of us doing projects and whatever, you know, 
Yeah. We'll be around. Yeah, we'll definitely be around. <laughs> Love it. Love it. That's the best thing you can hope to hear somebody say when their band, uh, you know, is on hiatus or breaking up or whatever the case may be. So, Locust Mortis from Long Island, New York. Uh, it might be more difficult to catch them live in the future, but you can always go back and check out the recordings. Uh, great Long Island band that bucked a lot of trends and a lot of uh, expectations for what people would expect to come out of Long Island uh, while they were around. And who knows, I, I might be uh, you know, 45 years old at the reunion show interviewing you guys again, all right? We'll see what happens. Nick and uh, Devin, uh, formerly of Locust Mortis, I guess we could say now. Yeah. R.I.P. to that band. Uh, getting a little misty-eyed over here, man. I saw them, uh, saw them, saw them grow up a little bit in our local scene here. I booked them a few times, and uh, they performed with my bands, man. I watched them develop their sound, but I think it's safe to say you're going to see all those guys in uh, new projects, man. I don't think anybody's done with music. Got a lot of really talented dudes, Very young guys. So. They get the heavy shit, like they're they're not fucking around. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, here we are with the segue again. Another young band that was not fucking around that night, uh, opening up for Othar, uh, Hagenti, or Hagenti, or as uh, Fergus from Buckshot calls him, Haganetti, uh, from <laughs> Long Island, Hagenti. Uh, young, up, upcoming, uh, I I, I want to call them like melodic death metal, but that makes it sound like it's this like at the gates, kind of catchy, bop, bop your head thing, and these guys got blast beats, and they're they're raw. It's more of like a like a uh, a shreddable death grind band, 
Shreddable edible death grind. That's hatchety for me. Yeah. Being around these guys is dangerous, man. It makes me feel like I'm like 15 <laughs> years younger than I am. Yeah, I got a little bent for the interview. I apologize to the listeners in advance. Um, but yeah, man, these guys, I, you're going to have a problem editing the sound because they were yelling and they were all drunk in the basement of St. Vice. It was like a Monday night, too. And nobody was even trying to go home after all the bands were done, man. No. But we we had a good time cutting it up with them. And we asked uh, Eric from um, Agenti, uh, the one guitarist. He's also the producer behind Rock and Roll uh Gas yeah. station. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Rock and Roll Gas Station Studio. He's recording some local acts. And we just talked to them. Uh, also, Sam Sherrick, who was formerly of Pink Mass and plays in Blame God, local drummer in a million bands. He's in that band. So we, we talked to them a little bit about everything. Yeah, if you need a drummer, don't hit him up. He is fucking busy. Haganetti. Yeah. yeah. Love it. <laughs> Heavy Hole Podcast. This is Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. Uh, we're at St. Vitus uh, here in Brooklyn. We're here with the band uh, Hegenti. Did I say it right? Yeah, oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right, Hegenti from Long Island, New York. One of my favorite places to introduce new death metal bands from. These guys have been kicking around for a few years. They put out the demo. They put out the split with Thetis. Is that it? So That's it. Yeah. Right now. Can we go around real quick and each you guys introduce yourself real quick, just for the, the voice recognition? Sure. Hey, how's it going? I'm John. I play bass in Hagenty. Eric, guitar. I'm Ethan. I do the vocals and yelling and stuff. I'm Sam. I play drums. I'm Jack. I play guitar. All right. And, and Nick from oh, Locus Mortis is chilling in the background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick is here. Ryan. The handsome so, so, so. All right. What's up, bro? Yo, I, I want to get Devin down here, actually. Devin get, get Devin. Devin, Devin's, Devin's still here. Yeah. It's Monday night. Uh, it's whatever, Monday night. Down here. Everybody up, is like oh, chilling yeah. after the last band, Ulthar, just played, and everybody's chilling like it's a Saturday night and it ain't shit. So I gotta commend these guys, and we're gonna be respectful of their time, I even though I'm drunk. Friday. Uh, <laughs> I just gotta throw that out. Yeah. None of us. Uh, none, yeah. Of us yeah. we had none of us knew we were playing today. It was fun, you know. Yeah. When did you guys get added to the show? Uh, a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like months ago, and we didn't yeah. know until yeah. today. Somehow. We practiced for the show weeks ago as well. Yeah. <laughs> it was originally we just also Locus Mortis. We know the songs. From the beginning of the songs all the way to the end of the songs, we're super proud of it. We, we, um, we just race to the end of the set. Yeah, yeah. we don't like I a lot of bands try to play together. We just race to the end of the song. Whoever plays it the <laughs> fastest wins. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. All right, wait, wait, wait. All right, so you guys, the last song was a fairly new song, right? Yeah, yeah. it's called it hasn't the been recorded time. yet. Yeah. Uh, in pre production. Yeah, we have what? demos. So you guys put out the split with Thetis, which uh, the listeners can check out on Bandcamp. What is the next step, uh, recording-wise? We're about to put it on full length. Uh, uh, we're gonna looking at the next three months, four or five months to put it out. Uh, we have like ten, End of twelve summer. songs. 
Yeah, yeah. hopefully by the end of summer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, 2019. And Eric, are you recording that? Yeah, Rock and Roll Gas Station. I, I spent like the last year uh, <laughs> building a recording studio. You're going to see Almost a YouTube a year, channel man. coming out. Yeah, it's about a year. And uh, we're doing our new record. We're going to do a bunch of um, live sets of whoever comes honestly to, like, to town. We're going to just try to get them to come by and do a, do a set, uh, maybe three or four songs, and put them on YouTube. And uh, we're going to do like gear reviews, uh, all, all that type of shit. And what, uh, didn't you record already a few bands? Oh, yeah, I recorded uh, Us, Locust Mortis, Blame God, uh, Craigalaw. Uh, Which is why we're jamming first, with these guys the first in the first place. Too. Oh, I yeah. did the Thetis and half of our split. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a couple other bands, too, yeah. but those are my favorites. Okay, so the Rock and Roll Gas Station, it's not just like a little vanity name you slap on, on something because you recorded on your computer. You actually have a studio that you've invested some time in blood, sweat, and tears into. Oh, hell yeah, yeah man. Yeah. 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 Over this last year, it's been, it's been, it's been a long effort uh, a lot of people put it in time like uh, all these guys all all our friends they help me tear down my fucking what my dad put together like he, he, you know he built his own studio for himself like back in the day like growing up you've been there you know it, it was good it served its purpose for us but now we, we took it to the next level we got it's it's pretty sound dead every you know all the rooms are separated everything sounds good I'm super excited for the next year man hidden gem on the in the in the bowels of Long Island <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because um, just so many. You mentioned Blame God, Thetis, of course, your band Hadge and T recording there, and you want to get more people involved. Um, it's kind of like for anyone who's curious about what's bubbling under the surface of the Long Island death metal and extreme music scene, you, you kind of have your thumb on the pulse just because they're all recording with you there. <laughs> and we mentioned, uh, you mentioned Craigaloth, um, which John and Ethan are involved in, right? Yeah. yeah. So what, uh, I don't know if either of you want to comment on Craigaloth, that's another Long Island band. You want to get, like, like what, what's up with that? Is it a studio project? Are you guys going to be playing live? We play live. We're trying to play live, but the main thing is like we played a few shows, but we're trying to really record now. We, we had drummer problems for a long time. Like we play real fast, and all the drummers would quit on us. Sorry. So yeah, yeah. Sample <laughs> the drums on the record, oh, yeah. but we yeah. like recorded. You know, we did like we did it in takes. So we wrote shit that was way too hard for like a not a freak of nature to do live. So now John started playing drums because he's a freak of nature. And now we have a, in the summer we have a Boston show coming up, which is sick for us. We've only really played on the island. Um, but this summer we'll be going to Boston. We're trying to set up like a little tour on the way up there, all that shit. I don't know when the Boston show is though. It's uh, uh, the Boston show is August 4th. Yeah. I mean, Hadgenty has been like real good to us. Yeah. They pretty much showed us how to rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. We didn't know how to rock yet. It's the most important thing. Yeah. 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 Awesome. yeah, you guys have been kicking around the Long Island scene for the last few years. Um, before Ethan joined, I actually uh, uh, joked my way through a few session vocals for two shows, man. I didn't remember the lyrics. I was a mess. I was honored to party with you guys. Um, Ethan joined Ethan for the listeners Just uh, for, so they know Ethan actually covered Vocals for Pyrexia For the second two weeks Of the Bloodletting North America tour After I left the band And had to go home man And um, just so if you So if you caught Pyrexia On those last two weeks Of the Bloodletting North America tour Ethan uh, of Hadgenty and Craigaloth Was the young man singing um, So you guys Are you guys planning on Getting out of state Or anything with Hadgenty Like besides recording The new album Is there any plans Like I mean, in, in, in a perfect world for me, yes, but I don't know about these, these 
these two boys. Yeah, right? yeah, I think so. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we definitely will. Like, we don't have any, any shows lined up, but um, yeah. I, when the right right show comes our way, yeah, after, we'll, we'll after, after yeah. the full length, I'm trying to do a at least East Coast tour if these guys are down. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 It's really I mean, I'm tour on like a demo and an EP, you know, yeah, we really yeah. want to get like a full length out there. Jack just quit his job and went his own way, so now he's got time. Yeah. Sam's yeah. got time. We all got time. Yeah, yeah. We have collectively $13 between us to our names. Sick. So. Yeah. Good number. <laughs> now, speaking of Jack and speaking of the demo, uh, Jack was, maybe I'm mistaken, was this band originally like your brainchild? Well, yeah, I was just really writing songs in my room, like you were, um, you know, joking around with Eric before. Like that was just me um, doing shit in my room by myself. Um, I was really just like, you know, trying to make shit like Ripping Corpse, uh, Mithras, bands like that. You know, bands that people aren't really like trying to take influence from nowadays. You know, no one's really like bringing that up. They're all bringing up like Suffocation, Cannibal Corpse. You know, um, even you know bands like Defeated Sanity. A lot of people are trying to, um, you know, go off of them. But I feel like um, a lot of older bands deserve some recognition as well and I try to like bring that to the table in the news also. Mm -hmm. and, and and when you recorded that first demo, are you the only guitar on that or Yeah, I did pretty much everything and the vocals. So everything you're hearing on the demo is me and the drums are programmed obviously. Yeah, I didn't have a drummer. Split. He's the vocals on the split too. I'm, I'm not the vocals on the split, it's all Jack. Beautiful yeah. genius. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful man. No. Well <laughs> Jack we're really glad that you found the rest of these individuals to flesh out the lineup. And yeah, it's um, been amazing, man. I, I know me first. Uh, 2013 is when I did that um, by myself, and then I found Sam actually on Facebook. I was um, posting in Long Island Musicians trying to find a drummer, you know, and uh, he was the only one who even like posted, showed an interest in it, and immediately, you know, we just clicked and he came over and we jammed, and that was it, you know. I, I, I heard that demo and was like immediately like, like this needs to yeah. like, you know, go somewhere. There needs to be more of this, like this shit fucking rules. And we're, we're still playing songs off that demo, like to this day. Fuck, love those songs. And and just for the listeners, Sam, who just spoke, is the same Sam who played drums for Pink Mass and um, uh, plays plays drums for Blame God. Are you in any other bands? Uh yeah, I'm doing a uh, Calcified right now. Uh, me and Ranger and uh, Ricardo been jamming, kind of rebooting that band with some uh, new songs. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing a, another uh, death metal project with uh, two of the dudes from uh, Carcosa. And DJX, Kyle and Andrew, and uh, we just had our buddy Mike uh, jam with us a couple times. So I think he's gonna be doing vocals, the really fucking like down tune, slow, like doomy death metal type shit. Wow, Carcosa, another Long Island yeah. band that's been getting out there a lot and playing a lot of shows. Uh, wow, really interesting, man. So uh, it's you know it's like I said, it's Monday night. Uh, the last band has been off stage for quite some time. Everybody's gonna go home. We really appreciate you guys sticking around and giving us a few minutes of your time. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with or talk about for Hagenty or any other projects involved? Oh, look out for that full length, man. Look out for the Hagenty full length. Hagenty from Long Island. Yeah, man, check out Rock and Roll Gas Station on YouTube. Next couple months, uh, we're going to have a lot of shit coming out. Uh, thanks for the interview, Will. And yeah, rock, rock and Roll Gas Station, the studio uh, run by Eric, guitarist of Hagenty. I'm sorry, John, you said something? Say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I didn't want to cut you off, man. All right. Hagenty from Long Island, up and coming death metal band with a lot of other projects on the peripheral, man. Definitely check them out. Thanks a lot, guys. Get home safe. Thank you. Thank you, man. Cheers.
That's uh, they're gonna use that as blackmail against me one day, man. I got a little too drunk there. But always a good time at Vitus, man. All kidding aside, they got some good drink specials. You could always tip the bartenders. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The good guys man. over there, yeah. They'll, they'll yeah. get you fucked up. They might buy you a drink or two if you're nice. Yeah, I, I, I always enjoy going to the St. Vitus bar. We had a great time that night. We interviewed some bands, did the thing. And um, I, I, I guess uh, we want to talk about album recommendations or what? Is it that time? Yeah, let's go into it. All right. Hey, guys. What do you uh, got here, Tom? So for my new release, I'm talking about Bandit. So Bandit is a, a Philly-based hardcore band. Uh, yeah. Not hardcore, excuse me, a, a grindcore band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tremendous amounts of aggression, just pure violence throughout everything they put out. All the songs are on here are under 40 seconds. Okay. And this is their seven inch split. It's called Warsaw. And it's aggressive. It's awesome. It's um it's like it's just throwing shit out of your window, clean your room, fuck your high school gym teacher music. You Whoa. Know? It is it's going to get you in a good mood. And there's a dark history behind this because the singer talks a lot. Um, the lyric, Lyrically, he's talking about um, literally Warsaw and his family ties to the uh, Nazi occupation during the time and what they dealt with. So it gets dark, but man, the energy is so like, it's pick-me-up shit. Wow. Well, yeah, I don't know if I know these guys or anything, but I definitely heard the name around, man. That's uh, probably because their live shows seem very intense. Yeah, they've been Wild around shit. since about uh, 2013. They got a bunch of uh, stuff on their Bandcamp. I think it's uh, four or five EPs, a couple splits up there, all short format, cool. uh, which is probably one of my biggest gripes with bands like this because they write really good tunes and really sick riffs, and you only get about 22 seconds of it every I time. I love it. So grindcore to do that though. Yeah, it's a good problem at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, well check out Bandit, their new seven-inch Warsaw. My new recommendation this week, I got Mutilation Rights new record, Chasm, uh, released July 2018 off of Gilead Media, which his name makes me nervous for certain Hulu television series purposes, but I, I won't go into that. Um, this is uh, the third album from the Brooklyn, New York band, uh, hometown sort of boys. <laughs> What's that? Controversial opinion. I don't think Brooklyn is the hometown to anyone that's currently making death metal out of Brooklyn right now. Yeah? yeah everyone everyone moves to Brooklyn to make music. Yes. Everyone, everyone knows that. Come on, I'm not telling any secrets All here. right. Well, Brooklyn is <laughs> a part. Oh, Brooklyn's wait a minute. Long you, Island, you right? You mean musicians moved to Brooklyn? <laughs> like, I blew everyone's mind here. Unpopular I, opinion I, that... I, Bro- I blew the lid off it. <laughs> Brooklyn, you think you're in the city, you're actually on Long Island. So just uh, yeah. get over that. So all right. Yeah, I'm all sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I just... Right. Dude, we all love Brooklyn. I, I, for the traffic. Can I say for the, the traffic? Band, yeah. Can I say I, the bands I, from Brooklyn? I personally know a few bands that that say they're from Brooklyn, and not one band member grew up in Brooklyn. Well, then, well, what, I don't know. Let's see the taxes. Let's see how, right. how long they've been there. I'm for. just saying it's you know. All right. I'm right, gonna go on, say go on. that maybe. 
maybe mutilation rights, maybe they're being billed from Brooklyn. You know, it's kind of like a parts unknown type thing. Was the Ultimate Warrior from parts unknown? Do you know where that is? No, he was from fucking Venice Beach, allegedly. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I'm not even talking about mutilation rights. For all I know, they could all be from Brooklyn. Mutilation rights, allegedly from Brooklyn, New York. That might be what the internet says. Uh, it's their third album, man. I like this a lot. Um, it's a little bit of a departure uh, sound-wise from, from their previous two, which kind of uh, grounded itself in this this uh, traditional black metal sort of sound. Uh, but I don't. I think the, uh, this new album, Chasm, is is straight fucking death metal, man. Uh, little sprinklings of of. You know, of, of some of their earlier influences or some of the black metal influences in there. Um, uh, you can hear a little bit of like a progressive thrash sort of thing going on as, as you listen to it. But yeah, man, I, I, I just, I'm listening to this. I love this. I think the I, I love the guitar playing on it. It's it's perfectly what it needs to be for this fucking sound. It's 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 haunting. It's creeping. And at times just perfectly technical. I definitely hear a little bit more of a churning death metal sound than I'm I'm used to with these guys, and I For like sure. that because I honestly like these guys' older releases. Artificial Brain uh, was lucky to play with these guys a few times. I'm going back four or five years now when um, Justin from Ulthar was still playing with Mutilation Rights. Founding now, now, yeah, yeah, now he's not with them anymore, man. But so that's that's an interesting correlation. Uh, you bringing this this tonight, man. Um, but uh, the, I liked their older material. Um, but this is cool with this, like, kind of a little bit more of a foreboding, doomy death metal. Sure. I think you can attribute that to the, the member changes, you know, as well. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it has the look, the feel, the atmosphere of a, of a modern death metal record. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting little little factoid about this mm. was uh, they actually recorded drums in the live uh, in the live area, the, the back room of St. Vitus. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's great. And, uh... And, and, and if, if, if you kind of think about it with that in mind, like it, it, it helps to add the atmosphere. You know, it gives this sort of like, yeah, well, alleged Brooklyn, New York sort of vibe to it. Well, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, man, I, I'm gonna take a lot of shit for that one. But uh, the, um, well, Vitus, all, all joking aside, Vitus is uh, waving a certain flag. That's very true, for they sure. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't know the owners. They may have moved in from out, but you know, we welcome them. It's a great mm-hmm. fucking place. They're paying rent. And, I, and, I can't and, welcome them. I'm not from Brooklyn. I can't welcome them <laughs> anywhere. I can say good luck in Brooklyn. <laughs> I welcome. I'm, I'm welcoming like uh, from the, the the shores of France to the new yeah. colonists. Yeah, you know? the Brooklyn brawler was Have from Jersey. There, guys. Yeah. No, St. Vitus is a great place. I love St. Vitus, and that's interesting to know that the drums were recorded there. So, uh, all the listeners, whether you love St. Vitus and you've been there before, or you've just heard about the uh, the legendary St. Vitus, you could own a piece of it. With this album, yeah, maybe you live in northeastern Utah and you're never gonna get to alleged Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. This is what well, it sounds like. Possibly, right. just pick your, just sit in the shower and and, and then <laughs> put this on, and then you have more of an accurate representation. Brooklyn isn't the alleged part. Brooklyn is gonna be Brooklyn. I'm saying allegedly Brooklyn. <laughs> but all I'm saying, all right, look, the OG Kings County. The writing's on the wall. Just go out there and look at what <laughs> the people that grew up in Brooklyn are writing on the wall. Can I say about Western the people Long that Island? moved into Brooklyn? That's all I'm gonna say because you can. The writing's on the wall. Oh, baby, it's a good right. time. St. Vitus, located in Western Long Island. St. Vitus is cool too, man. I'm talking. I'm talking <laughs> about like bands 
where like three three of the members moved from the Midwest and like two of the guys are from like England and they're like you know straight out of Brooklyn on all their merch. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying? All right, that's all I'm talking about. Stop lying about where you're from. Yeah, it's usually not death metal bands. It's usually like a, a electro dream pop mm-hmm. synth. Wave. I'm just, you know, like people younger I mean, than me. I don't know. You want to hear me get mad? It's fucking shoegaze. Every mm. fucking shoegaze band uh, is a goddamn nightmare. Allegedly. No, you know what? Agreed. Personal opinion. Agreed, yeah. That's me. But whatever. Sure, there's also uh, uh, Twin Peaks prom scene cover bands that are that are <laughs> <laughs> from Brooklyn as well. Whoa. I don't even, I don't even know what that Mutilation is. Mutilation rights. Fantastic fucking band. Fantastic album. Gilead Media. Yeah. Media. 2018, <laughs> eat the meter. We went off on a tangent on that one. Feed Jesus the meter, Christ. eat the meter. Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. And this is a great release. Really yeah. is. Okay, so my uh, new band is, is literally a new band. They have a 2018 demo, but I'm pretty sure the band has only been around since like last year. It's called Deep Holst from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, they're going to have an album out on New Standard Elite Records just for the, uh, again, to reference Paulo and the, the Ping with Paulo episode. He talked uh, at late, in length about um, New Standard Elite Records. Great. Um, but this band, Deep Pulse, they're going to have an album called Disciples of Tartarus coming out on uh, New Standard Elite this year. And they just uh, released this video. It's, a, it's like a professionally shot music video of them playing the song Throne of Dissipation. It uh, looks like just in their rehearsal room. It's like maybe. a beige living room. Like yeah, it's like in a, in a re- rehearsal space at somebody's house or whatever, and they got some posters, and they got the amps. It's it's actually really cool, though, because it just looks like what these guys probably look like when they're playing the song in their natural environment, and it's not generic ping or generic slam or whatever. The, this is really interesting, technical, brutal death metal. It's like when you say tech death, it's not music school. And when you say brutal, it's not just ignorant slam. I would say that these guys are on par with, like, Defeated Sanity or Wormed or something. There's a lot going on to this music. Oh, layering. Yeah. Yeah, this... uh, I've got big uh, hopes for this Depulsed album that's coming out. Because right now, all you can see is this video. And you can look up their 2018 demo, which I have to do. It's got members of the band Cordyceps, which I'm not entirely familiar with. Great name. Uh, Yeah, there's um, Adrian Cole and Jose Lopez are both from Cordyceps. They're the guitarists. Uh, And the singer is uh, Clayton Mead, uh, apparently ex-Cordyceps, as well as he did a stint in Pathology, Shepherd Dismemberment, Implements of Hell, Umbilical Asphyxiation, some other bands I gotta catch up on, I guess. Uh, And the drummer is a guy named Jim who played in Abnormal Inhumane, Birth of Depravity, and Ex-Remnants of Flesh. So I don't know a lot of these guys' other bands that they've been involved with, but I'm very curious now because this is, like, top quality. It's got that... Modern 
guttural, uh, dis- disgustingly unpronounced vocal that's just breathed throughout that I love. But the music is informed by brutal technical death metal, like your suffocation and your disgorge and your defeated sanity. But there, it's, there's a technicality and a musicianship that's there. This is cool shit, man. Depulsed. Keep your eyes open for this and check out this video. For the musicians out there, uh, you might get something more out of this video than I would just watching these guys play the riffs and execute the parts, too. So check it out. Yeah, I'm all about this, mm-hmm. man. This is great. Depulsed from Las Vegas. tonight my recommendation of the evening is Goratory's Rice on Suede (laughs) this is a 2004 release on Amputated Vein Records a lot of really cool brutal shit on there I still have not figured out what Rice on Suede means but yeah I don't know either I'm trying to figure that one out too that's kind of weird Oh, this is polishing your rice on like a suede (laughs) jacket or pants or something just make really shiny the finest rice this is very brutal yeah um, Goratory is a band of many bands in a way. Like if you look at if you, if you check out the metalum of who's been in this band, you get a lot of really talented members of acts that we all know. On this album, the drummer is Darren Sessa. He's in Deeds of Flesh as of current, which is technically I don't I don't even know their. <coughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know how yeah. that's panning yeah. out. But he was on the most recent drummer of. Yeah, he did the portals, portals of Canaan. Yeah, he's a really, really good drummer. Yeah, he drummed on this. On guitar, we got Alan Glassman, who was in Despised Icon, and he's now in uh, Job for a Cowboy, which is a killer lineup now. Yeah. Uh, you know what's fun is uh, is 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 that dude who drummed for Deeds of Flesh and the guitar player of Job for a Cowboy, they just started a new band, actually. Uh, both guitar players of Job for a Cowboy. I forgot to write that down. Yeah, what is cool. it? I don't know. We'll talk about it maybe later. Maybe oh. next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna, we're, we'll get into that. And then the uh, vocalist, Adam Mason, this is kind of his baby, but he's also in that band Sexcrement, mm-hmm. which is a New England yeah. like porno grime band, just really good stuff. His vocals on this album are insane. He is trying shit. He is having a good time, like just getting it out of his system. He's having fun with the lyrics, too. Read the lyrics. Every song on here is just disgusting. I mean, one of the highlights, there's a song called uh, Your Mother's a Lazy-Eyed Chow-Bearing Slut, But I Fucked Her Anyways. That's, uh, these guys are from Boston, right? Yes. Yeah, that's Boston for you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> this album is great. It's fucking brutal. It's experimental. Just all around sick musicianship. I, I can't recommend it enough. I just enjoy the hell out of it. This is, uh, this, this is, it's got ping qualities to it. I would say so. Yeah, that drummer is pinging off. Mm-hmm. Oh, when he does the, uh, you hear it in a, a few times throughout this album where he does these sick rim shots, mm-hmm. and they are just coffee cans, Folgers all day, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Cool. Uh, my stroll down the old memory path is into the moats 2003 means by which the end is justified EP on Love Lost Records. Um, this is a, is another band in in my early 2000s love for mathy, techy, grindy, deathy kind of hardcore bullshit. Um, uh, yeah, the, you know, put this band in with uh, with Sciopus and and uh, Children of Dilger Escape Plan. Uh, right. you know, yeah, we're to me, red, red cordy kind of stuff. We're here. Um, we're here in this territory again, man. You have a vibe. I do, yeah, and you're... yeah, it's you know, it was something about like uh, quadratic equations. You know, uh, why I hated them uh, on paper, I love them in my ears. Yeah, and no, I'm not. I'm not knocking it, man. This is cool. I, I do remember the name. I don't think I was really too familiar with these guys at the time. Yeah, uh, the, you know, this band is, is I don't know if I would say an anomaly or anything like that, but they definitely did not get uh, it, their due justice uh, as, as a band. You know, this is this was their first EP. This kind of uh, put them on the map a little bit. Uh, this got them noticed by Metal Blade, uh, which signed them in 2004, and they put out a uh, uh, fucking amazing record in 2005, which maybe we'll talk about when that time comes. But um, it's 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 you know I think it actually might literally be music school metal like if these if <laughs> these these are these are jazz musicians playing playing grindy death and yeah. uh, and they break into these little jazz parts and followed by these these kind of hardcore influenced breakdowns and uh, really doing uh, doing uh, fo- or following the road that that kind of or the example that Dillinger set but I think they they put their own spin on it and um, they had this like. This wartime sort of battle, like like aesthetic to them a little bit. Like a lot of the lyrics are, are kind of based on 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 World War One, World War Two sort of battlefield type type shit. And uh, um, you know, I think I think the difference between between Dillinger and, and them might be like a lot in the vocalist, where he's kind of just kind of riding the wave that the instrumental is sort of setting, rather than uh, peeking himself like apart from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but phenomenal musicianship, just just crazy time signature changes and uh and big fucking hardcore breakdowns where you just gotta smash the china in between and i'm all about that shit well so. it, it seems to flow a little bit easier like dillinger seems a little more jagged like this is still more you know the part the parts still come at you fast but you, you have a second to kind of flow into them and they they transition a little easier i feel like i yeah. think that's sort of that might come with the sort of mu- musical education i feel like this that this band has yeah, uh, where yeah. it's it, you know I, I and i don't know this is purely speculation but when i hear these songs and especially like uh, as as their career went on i feel like they could possibly be just charted out as if you would like a like a, a jazz structure mm-hmm. you know right um it doesn't take you from one place to another the same way that, like, you know, you were talking about Ion Dissonance uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah. And that's extremely hard to follow. This, you can, like, this is a little, it's still got that push behind it. Yeah. But at the same time, you're not lost. It's not as schizophrenic as some of your start-stop, uh, you know, mathy, trying to fuck you up, uh, sort of, sort of math core, you know, things will, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I think an, an important record, uh, at least an important uh, record to acknowledge as the starting point for a band that that maybe didn't actually reach their potential. You know, even though they put out some good releases, and and should definitely be uh, be mentioned in the, in you know in the same paragraph you know vein as as Dillinger, Between the Barry to Me, Sylpus, Tony Danza, you know, all, the, all that shit. Mm-hmm. I could see this style having a bit of a revival. 
uh, coming up with all the attention to like Degent and Prague and all that stuff that the last, you know, what, what people call Prague now, which is like metalcore with music school parts. But like I could see with all that stuff, kind of like people are gonna get tired of that or maybe want to move past that or something. And like I could see it kind of turning into a, a newer version of this, you know? Or sure, yeah. I think like if you deconstruct it, like this yeah. is kind of what you get. And maybe this was a maybe this was a reaction to your sort of like '90s like dream theatery kind of thing, or like even what like Mashuga was doing. And you just add, you know, just kind of deconstruct that a little bit and. Could be, and, and I, th- I, I think that you know, I think there's a grind mentality of it, where it's mm-hmm. it's they, you want to, you know, the, the the objective is to make you kind of feel uneasy, and it's got that urgency to it, and and like I said before, when I was talking about Ion Dissonance, I feel like the songwriting is trying to fuck with you a little bit, mm-hmm. and I kind of like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I I think the idea of this like really uh, interesting, almost like subversive technical writing in like what was kind of like considered hardcore, like in the hardcore scene. Hardcore aesthetic in a way. Um, at the time, I saw it as as like with Dillinger Escape Plan, maybe a reaction to how like brutal and ignorant a lot of other hardcore was getting, especially in New York and Long Island. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there was so many kind of like street, like New York hardcore, like chug it out, beat people up in the pit, kind of play a Slayer riff, Victory Records type in their late nineties. You know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Um, I, I saw like this Dillinger type of music and like stuff like this kind of rise up and I, I think to myself now like maybe it was kind of like a reaction to people that wanted something more uh, a little more depth to the musicality of to the musicianship you know I what think, I mean I think so and then, like even even still it could just be an, a, a more extreme version of like of your botch or your coalesce kind of turned up a little bit which could mm-hmm. also be like you know if, if you want to classify that as possibly a post hardcore type thing you know, yeah it's a uh, it's all that reaction to to what sort of becomes um, you know tolerated or or becomes normal and uh, yeah good I I smell a whole podcast I smell a whole episode about this this type of stuff yeah we'll 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 get to it yeah there's a lot we'll of we'll put it on the list a lot of really interesting writing in this style of music yeah mm-hmm. so I'm I'm down to do a talk on and that. and maybe like like you were saying about um, about Bandit is is the only drawback is you don't is they don't chill on a part for enough, you know what I mean? And so you want to you want to hear something kind of you want to really soak it in, but you got to soak it in with multiple listens and appreciate it for what it is. You know? It's it, it certainly is a problem that I have, but I know that it's a good problem. Yeah, for sure. You, you have these bands making you want more. It's a compliment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. My problem yeah. is not. It's not. It doesn't come from a bad place. Yeah. It's like. Man, I'm just gonna listen to this again, you know, to, to satiate that. Man, it's uh, too many notes. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes you want to stay on that roller coaster for a few more minutes. Yeah, I, I get it.
What do we got? All right. I'm bringing to you Cyanide, The Dying Truth. Uh, This is something very near and dear to my heart. Uh, This is a treasure from a foregone era in death metal. Um, Wow. Yeah, this is this is amazing, man. That that riff, that groove. There's so much about this. Um, Cyanide, the Dying Truth, their first album, Cyanide from Chicago, uh, formed in 1988. This album came out in 1992 on Grindcore Records, now defunct label. Uh, this is death metal. I I when I give my recommendations, sometimes I talk about this this true, pure, beautiful death metal of my heart, this death metal that speaks to my soul, blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm talking about, baby. All right, Pissgrave and all those bands that I talk about with so much, you know, Black Mass Absu, and this is the metal of death right here. There's death metal, and then there's the metal of death, and Cyanide is the true metal of death. Um, old school dudes doing it the way. And, I, and just for, like, reference, just kind of when I speak about that variety of death metal that's so close to my heart, in the booklet, um, these these guys have a little thanks to the following bands for inspira- inspiration Celtic Frost, Hellhammer, Venom, Slayer, Death, Slaughter, Postmortem, Metallica, and Death Strike. Keep in mind they're thanking Metallica in 1992. Um, and that just speaks to the like, like these guys didn't go in and say we're gonna play tech death like suffocation. They didn't go in and say we're gonna play Norwegian black metal, even though we're from Chicago. There wasn't they weren't as boxed in by genre, they just knew they wanted to play dirty. Uh, evil sounding um, metal of death with the atmosphere of death and that they did man this album was given to me by uh, Adam Rotella when I was to, when we were tape trading and ordering CDs and, and we would we would share a lot of stuff and give stuff back to you know if I liked something more than he did and he knew what he'd give it to me and if I you know vice versa you know what I mean because it wasn't we weren't as concerned with being like anal retentive collectors and cataloging everything back then it was just like teenagers getting tons of CDs and tapes and vinyls it's like and, cool shit that you get yeah and, um, swap it, swap shit like baseball cards you know it's already cool when it's esoteric like this like you know, yeah it, yeah death metal's always had that appeal for people who are into it it's esoteric you know you want to hear all the cool shit you know and yeah you know, so uh, no obviously so you know like i said we would get together on like the weekends and we would like you know cat like like share what we had ordered from catalogs and distros and adam uh, gifted this to me one time um cyanide the dying truth man and it's just it's, I don't want to use the word slow, but it is slow. It's it's like death doom metal, man. You know what I mean, man? Like, the, the there's... It doesn't sound like a fast part that was supposed to be executed fast, played slow. It sounds like stuff that was written with the tempo in mind for the atmosphere and the lurching fog of death that, that, that this album sounds like. Listen to the guitar tone. The guitar tone sounds like the guitar is in pain. This production all around is really captivating yeah. what I'm hearing in all the writing, man. Yeah. Wow. Uh, like everything about it. The drums are just like right in the where it needs to sit. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. the guitars are like, they got that perfect amount of fuzz that when they hold out these slow notes, and for a while you hear it kind of like pulsing in the mix a bit. Yes. It's really, really cool shit. The vocals, they don't have cavernous echo. They have... Uh, stadium echo, Ooh. or yeah. like, or like, like the reverb. Yeah, or or like the um, the loudspeaker in the parking lot of, of like the car. You know what I mean? Like like it's just a, a little a little kind of like a little echo, little jump. At, you know, at the end of what he says, but it just fits so perfectly. It makes it sit in the music, man. It, like it's it, it's. Uh, this is another album that has just stayed with me. I heard this probably before I heard Deicide. 
I heard this probably before I heard a lot of bigger bands. Oh yeah, man. Really cool. Yeah, you got put in the loop there. Yeah, man. Like you know, yeah, you, man. You hanging out with Adam got you into all the old, sh- well, the most underground shit before you even heard like Cannibal Corpse. You were saying. Yeah, like, well, I heard Cannibal Corpse before this. I want to be be historically accurate, but I definitely uh, before I heard like. Most most morbid angel. I probably heard this before, man. I, I mean, before Napalm Death, I heard this. You know what I mean? Like this is one of the first things I, I ever heard uh, that was death metal, and I'm so glad, glad to to have to have heard it. I think in 2009, if I'm not mistaken, I saw these guys play uh, at MDF. Man, it was a great set too, man. These guys are still around, still active. I think they have four or five full length albums out. Last one was in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Bunch of splits and releases and EPs and demos or whatever over the years, man. And um, look for them too. You know, the the bass player and the guitarist. I think are the original guys. The drummers that they're with now has been with them since '95. Uh, just OGs, man. A lot of respect for Cyanide, and this album in particular, "The Dying Truth," has just affected my life and set so much in motion for me with my love of the atmosphere of death metal. You know, so and I think for uh, the the OSDM movement, whatever you want to call that, this this new trend, the old school death metal thing that we spoke about earlier tonight, this is the atmosphere that everyone's trying to catch. This is what everyone wants to capture. I, th- in my opinion, I, w- I don't want to use the word haunting. It's not haunting, but it's it's like it's got this spook. It's creeping on you, you know. Well, it's definitely yeah. creeping on you. I mean the um, the cover painting. I wish I had the. Uh, I don't think they actually have the name because it's a famous painting. I it got wasn't... it. I was actually oh, the, the funny man. thing is I was my just man. I was just researching this painting today. Like, okay, I was just looking because yeah. I found it in a meme that said like, "Look at how how much you can spread your legs without any skin <laughs> on your body." And I was like, "That's fantastic. I love this painting." So it's uh it's it's part of a diptych by by John von Eyck. Uh, the, the crucifixion and the last judgment so this is uh, the last judgment um, it's actually like the, the lower half of it and a, and a cropped in version of it but look at all them fucking bodies and that boy with his bones yeah um, and, and it's, it's, inc- yeah, it's incredible uh, it's it's it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one, of the, one of the best things to come out of uh, out of the bible or all these uh, artistic interpretations of, of what stories yeah. are told in there man and uh, this is no uh, there's no bullshit about it yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you were armed with that, um, uh, that the the title, the painting, and everything, because I wanted to reference that because the music to me captures the atmosphere of that painting just perfectly. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like if that if that was a movie, what's going on in that scene of that that album cover? This is the soundtrack, you know, like you're just overlooking all this misery and pain and everything. the guitars just sound like they're in misery and they're moaning like souls in hell man this is the metal of death and i'm going to continue i'm going to make a concerted <laughs> effort on this podcast to continue bringing you the metal of death you have to differentiate yes yeah there's death metal which i love there's lots of great death metal in the world that's fine but, but well i'll put it this way if it comes all, with a stench. <laughs> all metal of death is death metal. Not all death metal is metal of death. Mm. All right? Yeah. And, and I heard do, that here yeah. first. And I enjoy a lot of death metal that's not metal of death. But, you know. Like, uh, let me think of a good... I'm trying to think of a good example, man. Like, um... Mm, I see. I might step on some toes here. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Mm. That's all right. I'll bleep know. it out if yeah. it's not the yeah. right thing. <laughs> yeah. Put, put your shoes on. Um, well, like, for instance, Misery Index... Not the metal of death. Great band. Good death metal. Mm-hmm. Good, de- yeah. But um, but there's there there's they obviously they don't they don't I don't go f- I don't think they go for that atmosphere. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily an insult if you're not the metal of death. It's kind of like a chosen aesthetic. It's a 
it's a means of uh, production value and, and, and the riffs you're writing and it, it's almost kind of like ignoring certain aspects of, of clarity which you wouldn't be ignoring organically if you were the true metal of death yeah that would just happen naturally yeah well Obscura not really the metal of death the, the music school of death yeah you know yeah that's that's it really uh, I, I would have not really brought that argument up ever because I didn't think of it like that I would have I would have discerned it differently but that's spot on I, I'm the just idea of, the idea of uh, I think almost okay now now I'll get a kick in the balls from the audience so some black metal actually has metal of death ideology now you're catching about. on yeah now you're mm-hmm. catching on yes mm-hmm. and it's not death metal but at the same time it is encompassing this this idea of uh, this this mortality that yes. is behind the music and if you go back further enough it's something that death metal has lost because this is the true essence of death metal like the reason i read that list that those bands stand celtic frost hellhammer venom that you know bathory they go back to that old school man and there's there's something about death metal, or you go back to the earlier death records, Autopsy, uh, even Impetigo. You know, there's there's just some quality there that is still alive in parts of the death metal scene. But death metal, in the words of Chris Basile, my favorite quote that I, I say all the time, Chris of Pyrexia says, "Death metal's grown up," and that means death metal has grown beyond its initial. Uh, manifestation and it's in its initial form. So there's lots of different varieties of death metal. There's death metal that plays uh, Gramercy Theater and all this stuff. And there's there's death metal that's still out there playing in the basement somewhere. You know, with, you know, with the uh, for the bikers and the weird guys. You know what I mean? So there's all different types of death metal, and I love I I do enjoy Obscura. You know, not not you know not to put down any of those bands or Misery Index. I love them, but the metal of death is just kind of like a roots atmosphere uh type of type of metal and you're right it, it you can get it you can get the metal of death from black metal maybe even grindcore if it was the right kind of gore grind band i think i think you so. know I, I because this atmosphere that you're talking about like as soon as you start describing it the first thing i think of is disaster black metal artist i gotta look into that sad guy from california uh, I've seen a documentary about him, but I'm not as familiar with the music. I'm a little, well, you know, I'm not the black metal guy. Everyone no, knows that. And this, uh, this isn't about this is about cyanide. But the reason I don't know, it just like I, I've listened to Zastra albums, uh, Funeral of Being, so many times. You know, when depressed, which is not a great time to listen to those. <laughs> Funeral of Being, uh, Subliminal Genocide, really like you're you you feel dead. Mm-hmm. And this kind of is doing that to me. And I'm not depressed, so you got me in a good night. But I this will do. I think you're understanding a little bit of where I'm coming from on this. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. We're gonna explore the metal of death. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you guys to do a whole episode. All right, so Cyanide, The Dying Truth, True Metal of Death, man. You can always check it out. I think they've had some of their stuff repressed and they're currently on Hell's Headbangers, so that would be a good place to start looking for their material. Awesome. All right, well, into it. Let's roll for a minute. We'll do a wrap up. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, that just got me really thinking. Yeah, what a what yeah, a, what it's a terminology. Yeah, yeah for it's sure. it's a it's it's a special type of music to me because it's very like pure and it's because that's what it was in the in the late '80s. That's like what you had, you know. Like metal was that people forget this whole satanic panic thing. Like we talked about the back masking and the Ricky Casso thing, but um. Metal was dangerous in the 80s. You know what I mean? Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. It was dangerous. People were scared of it. 
Like people were the way people are scared of Al Qaeda now and shit. Like people like like were thought metal was really dangerous, yeah. and that added power to it. You know. I think there might have actually been. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if you think about it, there's like almost a the reaction from a metal community. You have more of like a self-deprecating type of metal because like you're talking about like Ozzy and mm-hmm. fucking you know. Back at that time, it's all, the, tip, it's all the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah. yeah, and that was like that was extremely outgoing. But you have <laughs> people that wanted, possibly, I'm this is just an idea, but people who wanted to find that dark thing and didn't really want to bother with anyone, shove it in people's faces. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So the the writing itself inherently became more like an inward spiritual thing. Well, I think that's where you get a lot of a lot of this black metal concept, the black metal attitude from, like. The first wave black metal bands like Venom and Bathory and Celtic Frost, they were portraying an image and they were using a lot of sensationalism that you could still use in the press because they were t- they took advantage of the sat- satanic panic yeah. for publicity in a lot of ways. And that added this like idea. They were in everyone's dreams and everyone's nightmares and imagination with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And... Um, then look at like the look at the black metal and I guess you could call it the second wave black metal, yeah. the Norwegian guys or whatever and the Swedish guys, they took it to the point of actually being practicing Satanists and actually burning churches in some cases and actually committing crimes and murder in some cases. So like they wanted to put into life what they what they were interpreting as as, as like they had these fantasies about Celtic Frost and Bathory and those bands and Venom and what those guys were up to and they actually made it real life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then to add to that, then you have the more reserved version of that, which what I was talking about, like uh, Zaster or Leviathan or even some death metal stuff. I would put like Portal in in there, and like <clears throat> Death Spell Omega, you know, which is kind of that crossover shit. But like that's really, um, that's like self reflective dark place, you know. So yeah, you go yeah. from you go from the theatrics to living it out to finding a different point where that. The living it out music is still really dark when you're by yourself, mm-hmm. and then just making music for people by themselves. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. I, that's where uh, Necrosov comes in, which I'm going to bring to the table in, in the coming weeks. But just you know, when you as a person, when you have no choice but to get this sound out of you, mm-hmm. or you feel uncomfortable with who you are as a living person, right. and you and that and when that sort of genuine like feeling comes through that's what a that's what a quality that that's when you get a medal of death or something of similar quality when there's no choice you have no choice but to write this you have no choice but to put it out like inside of you well if you want to get like heady about it i i understand what you're saying i would agree because the in 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 the medal of death it's it's truth it's honesty man i mean we're all gonna die it's part of life, and it's the part of life that we try to go through every day ignoring in a way. You know what I mean, man? So it's it's the morbidity of life. It's always there, and sometimes you got to embrace it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's crazy.
deep tonight. Just now. Yeah. Extra yeah. Deep. The medal of death is a good. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite topics uh, to talk about in life. Uh, ironically enough. Yeah, I think I got to paint these walls, dog. I gotta get this studio darker. <laughs> <laughs> Painted black, man. Yeah. By, by like the Rolling Stones said. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But we, uh, you know, we talked to uh, Olthar. We talked to Haganetti, aka Hagenty from Long Island. Proper name Hagenty. Uh, and we talked to uh, Nick and Devin from Locus Mortis right after they played their final set as Locus Mortis. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll, we will miss you. Yeah, we talked. Uh, we talked about the new Full of Hell that's coming out. Uh, we talked about the new Deep Pulse that's coming out. Very exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. we got Mutil- the new mutilation, mutilation rights, man. Mm-hmm. Great fucking mm-hmm. record. Got some old stuff in there. We got that. Well, before we got, old stuff, we got, we got, got the bandit. bandit. Yeah, that that was fun. Uh, this cyanide, which is just creeping through this mix right now. Really I hope nice. you guys are enjoying this because it's, yeah. it's something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. if you do enjoy cyanide, it's, like I said, there's a lot to get into there, man. But enough, enough, enough. We already talked about it. We appreciate you guys listening to the Heavy Hole Podcast. And uh, this is usually the part where we talk about all the social media and the contacts and all that stuff. So you can definitely hit us up on Facebook so uh, at the, uh, the Heavy Hole Podcast. Uh, IG? Yeah. Hit us up on Instagram at, at Heavy Hole Podcast. Yeah, and uh, Twitter. Yeah, you can find us at Heavy Hole Pod on Twitter. You can also give us a uh, phone call with an angry voicemail. Oh, Tom, what's the phone number? It's 631 837 3274. What was that phone number again? It's 631 837 3274. Fantastic. Operators are standing by. Yeah. So thanks again for listening, and uh, you know, go uh, go get your rice on suede. Yeah, and don't always hang out in the basement. Go out to a show. We did it. <laughs> Later. <laughs>